You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about how we deal effectively with trials and how we can actually turn a trial into a triumph. So let's just jump right in. Uh, Many Christ followers are ignorant of the spiritual adversaries that occupy and inhabit our world. Now, we don't see them, but they're in the atmosphere that is immediately around this earth. And they have the freedom right now to travel and move there. Now, one day Christ will purge them from that and they will be no more. <clears throat> but they're there now. Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, New King James Version says this, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Uh, the Bible says that the God of this age is here on earth, not in hell. He's here on earth occupying the atmosphere trying to influence people. Ephesians 2.2, listen to this. He is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So he influences people, and he influences them to sin. He does it through complete contradiction. And this is exactly what happened in the first temptation when the devil came to Eve and contradicted what God said. Now, how did he get this authority? Well, God didn't give this authority to him. God gave this authority to Adam. Sometimes people wonder, why did God let Adam do this? Well, God wanted Adam to be a full human being. And a full human being has to have the power of choice. Which means then that if God gives Adam something, he must stand back and respect Adam and respect what Adam does with the thing that he has given him. That doesn't mean that God agrees with it, but he does respect it. And so that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. God respected his creation. Let me just say this. A lot of people wonder about this, and I may say this a couple of times in this podcast because I want people to get it. Why does God let bad things happen? Well, God gave man the power of choice. And if God were to stop all bad things from happening right now, you and I, every other person on planet Earth, would immediately lose the power to choose, and we would be less human than what we are today. We are supposed to be able to choose. That's how God made us. That's why he gave them a commandment in the Garden of Eden so that they could choose whether or not to obey it. Now, when Adam sinned, he didn't just disobey God, but he surrendered this authority to Satan and his associated demons, fallen angels, and other spirits. They gained authority over Adam because he had a weakened spiritual nature. Now, actually, in the Garden of Eden, Adam was born again in reverse. He passed from life to death. He was spiritually cut off from God the moment that he sinned. 
The evidence of this is seen immediately in the fact that when God came to visit, Adam was full of fear. Fear is the original sin after Satan's pride, of course. Uh, but Adam sinned, and then he fell into fear. You know what people hate? They don't hate because uh, they, th that's the first thing that comes. They hate because they're afraid. People hate others because they're afraid. They're fearful. And that's what happened to Adam. Now, the next generation, Adam's first son, Cain, is envious, and he kills his brother Abel. He commits the sin of murder. But murder wasn't the next thing. It was envy that came next. But the envy emulate, or emanated from fear because Cain was afraid that he could not be blessed. God wanted to bless Cain as much as he blessed Abel. But Cain envied. He thought God only has enough blessing for one of us, not both. And that's how a lot of people think. Now, I want to read Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read what the cure was, beginning in verse 4, because this talks about our fall and how we came under sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Now here he doesn't talk about forgiveness immediately. We are forgiven, no doubt about it. But the thing that we needed, we needed to be removed from death. And God took us out of death and he put life in us. And the scripture says in verse 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now why is that important? Jesus sat at the right hand of God before He ever came to planet earth, before He came to be our Savior. He's with God in heaven. Uh, the Scripture says He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was there with God in all the ages eternal past. But when He came to this earth, He became a man. And he was subject to all the temptations that we're subject to. He was subject to attacks of the devil. Uh, he got hungry. Uh, there, there are so many things that he identified with in order to be our high priest. We'll talk more about that later too. But the point I want to make is this. When Christ died, he died as a man. He didn't die as God. God couldn't die, but he died as a man. He died on that cross and God raised him from the dead. God quickened his body, raised him up. And then 40 days later when he ascended into heaven, Jesus was seated in a place of great authority at the right hand of God. But here's the catch. He was not only there himself, but he occupied that seat for us, and we are in Him. Therefore, we sit at the right hand of God. And what this means is we have authority over all of these demonic powers that are in the atmosphere that would seek to steal, kill, and destroy us. We have authority over them. Why? We're seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. Now, that's what uh, Paul tells us here in the book of Ephesians. Now, let's look down at verse 10 following this. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, we have a changed behavior. Now, the changed behavior is not what brings the power. But you know, if you live in a works-based church or theology, you think that in order to have power with God, you've got to do good, be good, and God rewards you based on your good, and you're basically earning, or you think you are, all of the things that God does for you. And none of us is deserving of that. None of us deserves what God did. But by His grace, we are completely forgiven. All of our sins are taken away. God puts life into the part of us that was filled with death. He changes your spirit. You are born again. You get a new life, a totally new nature, and a nature that has power. Not just a nature that wants to good, do good, wishes it could do good. You get a, a nature that can do it. And now we are His workmanship. We now have the power to do the good works because of the life change that came to us. So we have been raised up together to sit with Christ. Now... We are going to face continual contradiction. Just like Jesus did, there will be contradictions. The devil will come and oppose things we think, things that we say, and things that we plan to do. And he wants to intimidate us into backing away and not taking our place with Christ. And if you think for one minute, if you think for a bit that you're not going to get hit with this, uh, you're mistaken. You will be opposed. Don't cry about it. Don't worry about it. There is a response. Consider him who was uh, who endured such contradiction of sinners. I was at a football game about two years after I graduated high school. I did not wear my letter jacket on purpose because it was a, a game between two of the teams in our district that were bitter rivals. And for me to go alone into that stadium, uh, identifying myself from a third high school, uh, might invite some kind of controversy. So I was there. My uncle went. There were two or three of us there. And I decided to go down and get uh, a Coke and some popcorn. I was walking down the aisle, went to the front uh, aisle across in front of a whole bunch of teenage kids, and there was a girl in the middle of that crowd who yelled at me and began to curse at me and insult me. And I thought, where did this come from? Now, I might have understood it, had I had on an identifying letter jacket that told them I was from another school. I was a stranger to them. And I looked, and she and these other kids were laughing, and, boy, she was vicious. And I thought, what brought that on? I, I, I mean, I got to say that it shook me. Now, I went down and was standing in the line to get popcorn, embarrassed by what had happened in front of all those people, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you're going to let that demon-possessed girl intimidate you? And the Holy Spirit reminded me that there are powers of darkness. Now the girl may not have been totally possessed, but she yielded to an evil spirit. And the Holy Spirit showed me that every word she spoke was directly inspired of that spirit. And he picked me out because he recognized me. I took authority over him while I was standing there in that line. And I got to go walk right back in front of them. So I did. I walked right up the steps, but I had a totally different attitude. I paused, turned my head, and looked at her, and she ducked her head. She was a totally different person. She was so full of fear and shame that she did not say another word. 
and I went on up and sat and enjoyed the rest of the game. Boy, that was a lesson to me. I saw right then and there how Satan can use people, push their button, they say something, they don't even know why they said it. But it is the devil trying to contradict. Now, he contradicted Jesus. Let me show you how he did it. We think that Jesus had such great power, the devil messed, never messed with him. But he did. Really quick, we're going to read this. Mark 4, 35. On the same day, when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats also with him. So Jesus and his disciples in a number of boats were going across the Sea of Galilee. Listen to what happened. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? We're perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? Now, real quick, I want to go through it and dissect it. First of all, Jesus said, Let us pass over to the other side. When he said that, their future was secure. They're going to the other side. Why? Because he said, let us, he didn't say let me, he said, let us go over to the other side. That was what God wanted. That's what Jesus wanted. That's what he intended to do. Here comes Satan through the wind and the storm and attacks the plan of Jesus. You may receive something from God. You're so totally convinced this is God's doing and you start into it and you run into opposition. You think, God, why are you letting this happen? It's the devil. It's the devil and demonic powers that are trying to withstand you. Now, if you know what the original purpose of God was, this is where you stand and you rebuke the enemy. You, you say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I stand against you. And uh, that's how you make your stand. You have to be verbal. You can't just think it. You can't just wish it. You have to be verbal when you do this. And so Jesus did that. And then he looked at the apostles and he said, how is it that you have no faith? In other words, didn't you believe what I said? And the idea here is he is asking them, uh, why didn't you do this? Because they could have. They were with Jesus. They were sharing at that moment with the authority of Jesus. He'd already given them authority over demons and evil spirits. So at the end, listen to the last verse we read, they feared exceedingly and they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? They said that statement in fear. In other words, they were saying, Jesus is the only one who can do this. And he was telling them, you could have done something about this before. Why were you so fearful? Why did you doubt? In other words, they could have stood on his authority. They had already done it. They'd already experienced it. Nobody thought about it. They gave in to the fears. So you can suffer a great deal, but it's not doing anything. And you can say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why are you letting this come? Why did you not stop this? Listen to me. It's up to you to stop some of these things. We are the ones who have the authority on this earth to deal 
with these spiritual forces. And if you don't stop them, he will not. Now, fortunately for them, he stopped this one here. But don't suffer needlessly by not using your authority. See you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.